0: Hey there, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Radio Hour on Twitch. I'm Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. I am joined this week by Mike Tanyer and Brian Knowles of Football Outsiders. And we are here to talk a lot of football with you on Twitch. Thank you for joining us. Remember, the Football Outsiders Radio Hour is on every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, also available on podcast apps and YouTube. We'd like to thank everybody who's watching us or listening to us right now, uh, but remind you that the best place to watch is on Twitch live, because then you get to have a conversation with us while we're talking. And the big subject, we've, uh, we've, we've been mattering a little bit here. We've been tittering a little bit over all the big moves that are happening today in the NFL Like, for example, the Giants trading their backup kicker to Carolina. Big (laughs) movements are on in the NFL. And you're like, okay, why does it matter who's going to kick for the Carolina Panthers? Because the Carolina Panthers are probably not going to be good. And I'm probably not going to use their kicker in my fantasy league. But that's not true. (laughs) play the loser league is our big football outsiders competition. So we are here today to talk about, start by talking about the Loser League because we are so psyched. I talked about it last week some, but we've got Brian because Brian is going to be writing a weekly Loser League column. And we are psyched to have the Loser League back. I totally forgot until Brian found it in his column that we actually talked about the loser league literally from the moment we launched the site in 2003. Like I don't wow. think we actually had a loser league contest in 2003. I think what we did in 2003 was me and my friends were still playing by email and we would draft our loser league teams each week and then compete against each other. Um, but uh, we, we, uh, we've been doing the loser league on outsiders for a very long time. We've been writing about this and it went away for the last couple of years. And it's now back and bigger than ever because like another couple of, well, another couple of changes this year is first of all, you can actually change your roster every week. Uh, It's not just that you pick, um, that you pick players at the beginning and then you're stuck with them for nine weeks. You'd actually change your roster every week. And then the other big deal is prizes are, (laughs) like the weekly prizes are like Football Outsiders subscriptions and like Madden Ultimate Team tokens. And I believe the prize for the last week is that Scott Spratt will give you one-on-one fantasy advice for next year. (laughs) And then the grand prize is a trip to
1: LA for the big game it, that's interesting because you know you're going to be there in a promotional capacity at the big game I a media member covering a medium event might be going to the Super Bowl which is a media event that media event uh, members are allowed to cover and talk about but from a promotional standpoint yeah. you will be attending the big game oh I'm assuming that as a media member I will be at the Super Bowl Yes, but as a But as a promotional person, if I I attend the big game as part of this promotion, I will be attending the big game.
0: Yes, that's true. The idea of going to L.A. for the big game is you'll get a chance among the other things. Besides actually getting two tickets to the big game, you'll get to meet me and hang out with me in L.A. in preparation for the big game. Pick Mm -hmm. my brain about the big game. And then as
1: media, I will go sit in the auxiliary media section of the Super Bowl. This is all about giving the Edge Sports legal department a complete aneurysm. I hope it's working. All right, you know what? I should live up to my
0: own uh, exhortations to people that they need to be on Twitch live at 1 p.m. because we can respond to you by putting the Loser League aside for a moment and answering our first question, which happens to be related to Los Angeles, so it is connected to what we've been talking about. CO the legend says thoughts about the Sony Michelle trade. Corvos asks, will it seriously affect Henderson's playtime?
1: Henderson's Does it
0: shoot her. Michelle up fantasy draft boards? Do either of you have any particular thoughts about the Sony
2: Michelle trade? <laughs> I I, I, it, I can see the logic from both sides because the Vams are dropping running backs like flies, and the Patriots depth chart is big enough that there's not a lot of room for Sonny Michelle at this point. Anyway, they have plenty of people to fill in. The The Rams keep throwing draft picks at running backs. I don't like the overall strategy they're doing here. I think they've now used six draft picks in the last couple of years mm. to try to fill that, that hole. Which is somewhat less than ideal. I, but I do understand at least in a vacuum from both sides of this one. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think as far as like using draft capital on running backs, I'm a lot more sanguine about the idea of a sixth and a fourth yeah. Yeah, than I am would be uh, than I was about drafting Michelle in the first round yeah. originally. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think Henderson's hurt, which I think triggered this. I don't know how significantly Henderson's hurt. Obviously, they lost uh, Cam Akers a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, right. Uh, my my Twitter timeline spent the entire yesterday debating about this. I was like, I only have so much bandwidth in the world for Sony Michelle. He's going to be Todd Gurley 2019. He's going to be 3.8 yards a carry. They're probably going to have to use him a bunch, especially if if, if Henderson is limited. And I think of him, you know, again, it it is a useful trade for both sides. You can see the logic on both sides. I think of him as a a loser league kind of player, because I'm looking for somebody who's going to go 10 carries for 38 yards, 15 carries for 46 yards or whatever, and not help a normal fantasy team. I'm thinking that that could be Sonny Michelle's future.
0: I think Michelle will be a little bit better than that. I'm I'm guessing that when Henderson's thumb is better, that they share the job. Here's the thing. Um, that goes against what i just said which is historically sean mcveigh has wanted to have one guy who's the guy if one of these guys is the guy i actually kind of would think it would be michelle rather than henderson because he's had a chance to make henderson the guy in the past and has never wanted to do it so that might lean towards the idea that Michelle should be zooming up fantasy draft boards, which is fine in my book, because I took him in the very, very late rounds of the Scott Fishbowl.
1: Bowl. Nice.
0: Um, but, I mean, I will say my thoughts as a Patriots fan are you know, they overdrafted Michelle. We knew this at the time. One, don't draft running backs in the first round. Two, Chubb was projected better than Michelle by back cast. So not only don't draft running backs in the first round, but they took the wrong Georgia running back. That being said, they got a nice three years of value out of him. And he played a nice role uh, in the Super Bowl run when they beat the Rams. So that's nice. And they got good value for him. And they really wanted to get J.J. Taylor on the team. That's the guy they probably would have had to cut because they wouldn't have cut Ramondre Stevenson. Right. But they wanted to get this guy, J.J. Taylor, who's kind of like a young James White type scat back. They wanted him on the team. So I think this works out really well for the Patriots. Like the draft pick was still a mistake, but it's not like, it wasn't like a complete, it's not like Michelle like sucked for a year and then disappeared. Like they got some value out of him. Zalem points out one of the Rams assistant coaches did coach Michelle at Georgia, which I guess would be another, uh, tick in the box that if Sean McVay wants to have one running back be the guy that it may be more likely to be Michelle I think Henderson is more explosive as far as making big plays he, Henderson had an awesome back cast projection but he's never quite lived up to it at the NFL right
1: right so yeah and Stevenson has been playing very well in camp and and Belichick always likes having the power guy like there should yep. be a power guy around. Like, yeah, White's going to get his carries. Lewis is going to get his carries. They like the J.J. Taylor guy. But but he kind of still thinks in terms of, oh, yeah, short yardage, dude. Garrett Blunt was that for years and years, you know. So, so that could be what they have in mind for Stevenson.
0: Although Stevenson's got the wheels, too. I mean, he did run yeah. that 91-yard touchdown against the Washington third string.
1: Yes. Fourth string.
0: Fifth string. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so go, but that ties back to loser league with the idea that Michelle might be a good loser league and so might Henderson, honestly. Right. That if it turns out that the Rams, that McVeigh doesn't have one guy be the guy, this is the perfect um, running back committee that would likely lead to both guys getting eight carries almost every week. So the loser league rules, for those people who don't know, it's not just about picking the worst players in fantasy football. You can't just pick guys who aren't going to ever play because if you do, if you do that, you pull a penalty. Right. You need to get your quarterback needs to have, I believe it's ten passes for a quarterback, yes. eight runs for a running back, three targets for a wide receiver, and for a kicker, you'll you'll pull the penalty if the kicker's on bye week or injured or if somebody else kicks for that team. But otherwise, like if a team gets shut out and the kicker doesn't have any attempts, you, you don't pull the penalty for that. So that's good. So with running backs, Brian, you pointed out in the loser league preview that you wrote that that really makes looking at loser league, like running backs
2: on committees, like the leading loser league guys. Yeah, last season, the best running back you could have had, the running back who appeared in the top 10 the most times was Frank Gore because he was an old, <laughs> old no longer efficient on a terrible offense. Right, but the right. next five guys, uh, were in a cream hunt. They were, uh, they were, they were right cream hunt. They were, uh, the backup running back for the Saints, and his name just escaped me not Alvin. Kamara. on, Murray. Matthias Murray, they were both of the Bills, both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary popped up a lot. You get a lot of the people who get like eight or nine carries in the fourth quarter of games you're winning by 20 points, where you don't care if you're getting a lot of efficient yards. You're just trying to you're just trying to run out the clock, so you're mm-hmm. slamming into eight man boxes over and over again. It's just draining things. Those players show up in the bottom in the in the 10 best loser league picks six or seven times over the course of the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If you have to pick a player for the whole season, obviously that's terrible because half the time they'll get the penalty. You'll get 15 points. It, it's coach. You, you need someone who's going to play every week. But now that you get to pick every week, you can look play these matchups. You can see, oh, the Bills are favored by 12 points this week. Let's because even the Bills run the ball in the fourth quarter when they're up by 20. So you can stick those kind of players in and get like, you know, oh, he he had nine carries for 37 yards. Perfect. I love this. You
0: pointed out in the article. There's like a different strategy to going after the weekly prizes. Compared to the strategy if you want to go
2: after the big prize. Yes. Because if you're going to, in a big contest, if you're going after the weekly prize, you need to find people that not everyone else picked. You can't take Sam Darnold every week. You can't take, you have to find someone who's going to unexpectedly have a bad day. You have to have some kind of unique roster if you're going to (laughs) get to the very top there. Because the more players you have in common with everyone else, the worse your one or two individual picks has to do to give you any chance of getting number one. Hmm. If you're going to if you're trying to get to the big game, it doesn't matter if you win week one or week seven. There's no there's no extra bonus for having the best team in any given week. You need consistency. You need every week, you can't afford to get a penalty here and there. So you need to find those players who are going to consistently give you low scores.
1: I love this because it's hard, because it's so different. Because you go into every fantasy draft, it's like, here we go, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, you know, Nick Chubb off the top. Oh, quarterback at the end of the round, you know, running back, running back strategy. Going into this and, and trying to thread that needle of bad but not benchably bad is so unique and so different. So it's, it's a challenge in a world where fantasy football has become sort of like, well, I grabbed my Kubiak and I grabbed from some other sources and I just pick the consensus. This is so much different.
0: Yeah, we're definitely helping you out. If you are an FO plus subscriber, when you go to pick your loser league roster, you will get... Scott Spratt's weekly projections for points. The players will be ranked by their projected points. And you'll also get a percentage chance that they're going to pull the penalty that week. Hmm. But it's not as easy. It's not as easy as just picking the guys with the lowest projections because those guys have very high chances of pulling the penalty. So yeah, it's difficult. I really like the idea of Moss and Singletary. Yeah. I'll tell you why not only do we have absolutely no freaking idea which one of them is number 1 and which one of them is number 2 mm-hmm. but the Bills will be winning a lot of games and when they get near the goal line who runs the ball in Josh Allen <laughs> Josh Allen runs the ball in for the time not the running back so those guys I think are really good picks I really also like you recommend in your loser league preview Melvin Gordon. Melvin. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Melvin Gordon could be this year's
2: Frank Gore. <laughs> Especially right now, you know, he's still nursing a groin injury going on there, which is perfect because it's bad enough that he's not getting a lot of practice and he's gonna lose snaps, but it's not bad enough that he's not gonna play. So it's gonna, yeah. you know, he's gonna he's gonna be slower and gonna be gimpier. That's exactly what you want Lucy. league. You want those little niggling injuries that are gonna last for weeks and weeks and weeks, but not bad enough to get him on the bench. Zalem points out that Josh Allen could be headed for some regression.
0: If you're talking about in rushing touchdowns, I think that that it's true, but they're probably still going to give him the ball a lot to run at the goal line. One of the things last year that was true around the league was quarterback rushing touchdowns were like at a ridiculous level compared to the past. Hmm. Uh, That will come down a little bit this year. Cam Newton is not going to have 12 of them. I mean, based on
2: what's going on in Patriots camp, Cam Newton may not have three of them. I mean, Carson Wentz had five. What? (laughs) Carson Wentz had five rushing touchdowns last year. Right. There'll there'll be a
0: little regression in rushing touchdowns. But I still think when Buffalo gets down near the goal line, more than most teams, they they will have their quarterback rushing the ball into the end zone rather than the running back.
1: They're also using a fullback, so you might get a fullback touchdown or two. I mean, there's a. Yeah. I love a
0: fullback touchdown.
1: Know oh, <laughs> so my beating heart.
0: Um, who else do you like, Brian? What? What? Who else did you recommend on the
2: running backs? Who? Who else do you think will be good this season? Uh, let's see: Gus Edwards, uh, Kareem Hunt, those kind of those kind of players. You're looking for the second running back in a running back committee. That's yeah, like, yeah. On, a, on a winning team, because Edwards yes. gets a lot in the late in those mm-hmm. Baltimore. If you're looking for someone to play a week in week out, like you you can set your roster every week. If you forget about it, your roster still stays with you. So you're not suddenly penalized. So if you right. just want to stick someone in there and forget about it, Miles Gaskin might be the best uh, week in week out player. He's the uh, he's the unquestioned starter, so you're not going to run into a chance of him running into penalty. But he also you can have Malcolm Brown doing some of his red zone touches. You're going to have it's not a PPR uh, competition. So the fact that he's going to catch like four swing passes a game that's not going to hurt you too much. Yeah, that mm. makes Kareem Hunt good because you yes. don't you you get Kareem Hunt's receiving yards, but you don't get all those PPR points for him. exactly. So someone, someone like that, Gaskin, I think, because there are so few uh, running backs who are just the unquestioned starter anymore. So if right. you're going to have someone and just stick them in and forget them, I think Gaskin's probably your best chance there.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll point out when we started the Loser League, when Ian Dembski, and I can't believe I have not thrown him his name and publicized him yet on this broadcast, but Ian Dembski is the name of the guy who came up with the Loser League. He's the original writer of Scramble for the Ball. And... When we started doing the Loser League just with me and my friends, it was 10 carries. And then we had to reduce it to eight because there are so many committees now that yeah. like, everybody was getting the penalty all the time.
1: Sure.
0: Um, I, I, uh, I, the, I wanna reiterate for people playing the Loser League, you don't have to change your team every week. So what happens is that you pick a team week one, that team carries over to week two. You can log in and then change your team for week two, or you can leave it the same. If you leave it the same and you end up with players on bye week or players who get injured, you'll pull penalty. But if you don't, if you if you forget to log in one week, it's not like you'll all of a sudden not have a team for that week. Like every week, you will have a team. The team from last week carries over to the next week until you make changes. Um, let's talk quarterbacks who are going to be bad this year. Um, the picture on the top of the loser league article is Sam Darnold. And I think we all <laughs> feel like Sam Darnold is like, it is in the Panthers best interest to keep playing him. I mean, that's not as important because you can change your roster every week. Right. But back when it was the, back when we did the loser league on the site and it was you were picking a roster for week one to nine all at once. You didn't want somebody who was going to be pulled after three weeks. Right. And that's not an issue now. Sam but I would think they're going to keep running Sam Darnold out there. And, I mean, based on Sam Darnold's
2: past performance, he's not going to be. <laughs> Sam Darnold scored 10 or fewer losing league points. So basically single digit points. 8 out of his 16 starts last season. He did 11 starts in 2018. I think it was only 5 starts in 2019 because he was a, he had the mononucleosis and everything like that. But Sam Darnold has no track record of being good, good at fantasy football. He is an amazing, <laughs> he is by far the quarterback with the worst history to be a starter in week 1 this year.
1: Wow. So and that I think also
0: means the other quarterback that makes that stands out is the quarterback who's now in that same
2: offense where Darnold was struggling all those years and that's Zach Wilson. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, obviously it's a different offense now, but yeah. it's also it's coming from San Francisco. It's going to be a run heavy offense to at least, at least to a certain extent. And 2020 was a weird year in that none of the rookies were particularly bad. Uh, all, all of them dodged the bottom of the leaderboard on a regular basis. That doesn't happen. Usually, usually the, le- the le- rookies fill the le- the uh, loser league leaderboard because they get stuck out that you stick with them, even through their three or four interception games, because you're getting them experience. Uh Sam Darnold was, was a terrible rookie. Both both the Josh's, both Rosen and Allen were terrible rookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, you can go through the history. And of the rookie class this year, I think Zach Wilson is the most likely to keep showing up at the bottom of the loser league leaderboards. Uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields have too much rushing value. Mac Jones has too many talented receivers around him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the better prospect. Mm-hmm. I think I think Wilson is the one who's going to be at the bottom of the list. More often than not, if you're looking for a rookie, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised
0: if Trevor Lawrence yeah. shows up at the top of the loser league, especially early in the season. I know that he does have wheels and he can run, but he's not going to have the rushing value that Fields and Lance will have when they play. Certainly, right? And that Jacksonville offense—I mean, I, I realize <laughs> you know, don't don't judge too much from the preseason. And DJ DJ Chark was not active. But I watched that last Jacksonville preseason game, the Monday nighter against New Orleans. Uh-huh. Jacksonville offense just looked really
1: stagnant and uh-huh. unexciting. You saw, yeah. You saw the you saw the gifts making around. I think it was Nate Tice, one of the guys who does a lot of gifts, showing these very obvious college formations that they're using, where you can look at this double stack down along the boundaries formation. Like you the only thing you can run off of that is inside zone run or a receiver screen. And like, no one in the NFL is going to fall for any of these things. So a lot of spurier alarms. My sparrier alarm is, is is whoop 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 yeah, everything that free. Urban Meyer's doing. And and that, that translates into a bad season, possibly potentially loser league season for Trevor Lawrence. Can't sleep on Jared Goff either, though, in terms of loser league, with the lack of a receiving core there and now DeAndre Smith being hurt.
2: The, the, the one name you want to look for in news league quarterbacks is Jimmy Garoppolo because Garoppolo is a different kind of loser league last year, uh, Baker Mayfield was in the bottom 10, six out of 10, to, uh, six, six in, in the bottom 10, in six weeks because the Browns are winning a lot. Uh, he would have fewer than 25 pass attempts. He wouldn't put up huge numbers. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is that plus he, you know, <laughs> Uh, in 2019, he was in the top of the leaderboard seven times, and now he's also going to get pulled half the game, uh, for a couple <laughs> drives for Trey Lance. There right. are going to be games where Garoppolo has 13, 14 pass attempts, and with one of them being an interception to a linebacker, he just refuses to acknowledge exists. <laughs> you know, he, he can't give you too many points if he's not throwing the ball a lot. Right.
0: Zalem says, Josh Allen just signed a large contract with a lot of guarantees. Why would the Bills give him more touches around the goal line? Because one of the reasons he signed a large contract with a lot of guarantees is he's uh, very good Do you good think the the ball. teams are more <laughs> likely to try to protect their quarterbacks from quarterback running when they give them big contracts? Or do you think
2: they use them the way they use them and that's? Yeah, I think that's more of a philosophical thing. You know, if right. they, they don't they don't run him like the, like he, they did when he was a rookie anymore, but they still they, they still ran, ran him last season when he was doing really well. They, they don't care runs, much about paying him; they can't how how good he is when he's
1: on the field. And he runs himself. He does run yeah. himself sometimes, and yeah. that's the thing. Like if that's what the guy does, that's what the guy does. I'd be more worried with a Lamar Jackson. Or is this guy going to be a nine hundred and fifty yard rusher? than I would be. Oh, is he going to wind up with five, six, seven touchdowns at the goal line between sneaks? Boots and like, oh, he scrambled because he saw an opening. That kind yeah, of thing, Alan I runs
0: more. Allen runs more at the goal line than he does like on the rest of the field. I, I right, I'm right. saying that as if I've actually got numbers on it, and I don't. I could be making that up for a while. <laughs> football outsiders, where we admit when we could be making up numbers that we just pull off the top of our brains. But I think on the in respect. I think he the ratio wise compared to quarterbacks in general, more of Allen's runs come down near the goal line. You know, much like Cam Newton is like. You
1: guys talk. I'll look it up.
0: I will say, um, thinking about Mac Jones and Cam Newton and the idea that Mac Jones may have taken the lead this week in um, the Patriots quarterback uh, brings up two ideas. One is, um, would the Patriots start Mac Jones and bring in Cam Newton at the goal line? Because strategically, I think that would be the best combination for them would be to play Mac Jones, you know, until you got to around the 10 and then bring in Cam Newton for third and one, bring
2: in Cam Newton at the goal line, like take advantage of his amazing rushing power. Yeah, the millionaire's vision of Jacoby Brissett from last year, you know, your, your goal line short yardage quarterback. with a player like Newton, I think that makes a ton of sense. And the other interesting thing it brings up,
0: and I'm sure Mike has thoughts on this while he's looking up numbers, is what COVID is going to do to this year and the difference between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated players, because there is a good chance that Cam Newton essentially lost the starting job here by being unvaccinated and going to whatever this this, um, doctor's appointment, medical appointment that he had. Um, Bill Houston says... Given that we're going through a third wave and stadiums will be full, do I think COVID will have more impact on the upcoming season? Well, the issue of how much COVID may spread in the full stadiums, I think, right. is a very different issue than what's going to happen in locker rooms. I right. just know I've seen the way Mike Zimmer talks about the players on the Vikings who are unvaccinated. And the minute the season starts and unvaccinated players start going on the COVID list and missing games, I think coaches are going to come down with a freaking hammer and mm-hmm. be like, the best ability is availability and I need you to be available.
1: I, I get the impression now um, that the only players sort of getting away with it are the players who are too important to cut. Your, your Kirk Cousins is and your Carson Wentz, your your quarterbacks, and your big names can kind of get away with it. I don't think any fringe guy is going to make the roster. One thing, and it seems a little macabre, it seems a little, I, I don't know how to describe it is, when we're going through this wave right now, or we're going through all of these um, positive cases right now, there's a very high possibility that it crests, goes down by the time the season starts. And that there's, a, there, there's less happening on that front. Uh, that these players who are popping positives now, they're getting their herd immunity, the NFL almost will achieve like a herd immunity between 80 something percent vaccinated and guys popping positives now. And it winds up having less of an impact during the season. So. That's one possibility there. I, I don't see it moving forward as being anything other than like a pop-up situation here or there where suddenly we get kind of what we're seeing right now in New England where, oh my God, Cam popped a positive and like four or Cam's quarantine because, you know, somebody else popped a positive and that's going to affect a couple of days and it's not going to spread in any way like it spread last year.
0: Bill Houston says, we do have a COVID roadmap from last year. Holidays is when COVID rises. That's true, actually, because players, other than the ones who play on Thanksgiving, they have Thanksgiving just like everybody else. And I wonder whether when we get to week 14 or week 15, there's going to be a big rise because somebody got it during Thanksgiving. The other thing I wonder about is if 85 percent of the league is vaccinated, Will we see fewer of those events where an entire position group goes on the COVID list as close contacts at the same time? Because I believe if you're vaccinated, you don't have to go on the COVID list as a close contact. So let's say random tight end gets COVID. Do the rest of the tight ends, if they're vaccinated, are they still available? And we don't go through what we went through where like the Browns played a game with no receivers and the Broncos played a game with no quarterbacks and I believe I mean, that's that was the biggest impact from last year was
2: teams losing whole position groups. I believe, yeah. believe you to go on the list if it's 24 hours. If it, if, it's, if if someone if someone goes on Saturday and sunny tests positive, that's a problem. But it won't be one thing if someone on Wednesday shows up with a positive test. Your vaccinated players will still be able to play that week. Right. And
1: Ryan Tannehill example is happening right now as we speak. He is vaccinated. He popped a positive and two negative tests. He comes back, so he could come back in two or three days, potentially. Contrast that with Cam Newton, who did was because of not you know following the protocols is it's just out for five days so again we're looking at like this 80 85 percent 90 percent vaccine whatever across the nfl we're seeing a lot of times the exceptional cases popping now cole beasley has already made a kerfuffle so i don't know what other kerfuffles he's going to make during the course of the year there's a chance and you know i don't i don't want anything to work i don't want anything to work out fabulously for the anti-vax crowd but there's a chance that all this blows over to a degree at least for the start of the season you're right whoever said that is right though there's a concern everybody goes indoors everybody starts traveling for the holidays and we wind up with some other kind of wave. by the way, uh, last year only six designed runs by uh, design runs by Josh Allen uh, inside the 20yard line.
0: really so mostly those touchdowns were like more was more well I guess six design yeah. runs still leads to a lot of touchdowns let me ask sneaks where into the end zone.
1: Yeah, I did. I didn't have see eight when you count sneaks. Eight for four touchdowns. Uh, Kyler led the league with 21, followed by the love child, uh, Taysom. Actually, no, C- Cam led the league with 31, followed by Kyler, the love child, Lamar Jackson, and then J- Josh Allen with eight. But Lamar Jackson, 19, and Josh Allen, eight. So, no, so Allen doesn't run
0: near the goal line as much as we might think.
1: Right. So if I pull up scrambles again inside the 20, and I'm going to put all kinds of scrambles here. And our league leader in scrambles inside the twenty was Teddy Ballgame
2: uh, really? with fifteen
1: scrambles inside the twenty. And Josh Allen has six scrambles inside the twenty, so he's down uh, on the list there. Interesting for Teddy Ballgame there, but of course, as we all know, the Carolina Panthers did not practice situational football last year. So.
0: Here <laughs> Matt Noscow, breaking news from Rap Sheet. The Ravens are close to a trade of fifth-round pick cornerback Sean Wade from Ohio State to the Patriots. Interesting. I feel like that's interesting because of what it might – I understand that the Ravens have excess at the position. Yes. I thought Sean Wade was a great pick. This is a guy who a lot of people felt was a first-round pick before his – last year at ohio state and then he played a lot in the slot i think and he struggled and the ravens would took advantage of that to draft him really late but all of the talent that people thought was there before last year at ohio state is still there but i wonder what that says about the patriots does it say that they might flip gilmore and not want to pay gilmore because it seems to me that the ravens have a lot of cornerbacks but knowing the patriots like i do the Patriots have a lot of cornerbacks too. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's still. I mean, there's Gilmore and J.C. Jackson, yeah. and Jonathan Jones, and Jalen Mills is a hybrid. Jalen Mills is a hybrid, and, and Joeon
2: Williams. And do they need another cornerback? Could it be a move for next year? Because I know J.C. Yeah. Jackson's contract is up, and uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe this is maybe uh, this I mean, have to horse. hold all those guys on the roster. Hmm,
1: yeah. right although the flip side of that is so i'm the ravens i've got a bunch of guys contracts coming up due next year too why do i make the move but it could be lack of roster space because yeah it looks like the patriots like their number four cornerback could start for anybody uh but the ravens are not that far off on that they had the other rookie that they uh that they drafted uh, yeah
0: and then the, the ravens have marlon humphrey and they've got
1: um, jimmy smith jimmy
0: smith and Tavon young
1: right right so this might be that like this kid was going to wind up They'd have to put him on waivers to try and clear him back. and They didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. And two front offices that have each other's phone numbers. Real, yeah. they, can, they can talk turkey. I
0: guess you know. my surprise is not that the Ravens are thinking of moving him. My surprise is who they're moving him to. Although you're right, these are two teams that have done deals in the past. So they have each other's phone numbers. Useful title points out the cornerbacks on the Patriots looked really good last week against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And I will say that while the Eagles played mostly backups, they were playing their starting receivers. That was Devontae Smith that the guys were yeah. looking good against. And then sometimes Devontae Smith was beating them and just not getting the ball.
1: Right, right. And the other one, I mean, Rieger's fast, but he doesn't hasn't shown anything else. But no, I mean, all those Patriots quarterbacks, quarterbacks don't have much to prove. I mean, yeah, they, they spent the... Uh, they spent the, that week of trade of, of uh, joint practice beating up on the Eagles receivers too. But it's Gilmore, it's it's Jones. It's Ch- we know who they are. That we know they can play. So I have a feeling they're grabbing some depth, grabbing the sixth, seventh, eighth defensive back, and insulating themselves against possibly having to play ball contract wise in, in twenty
0: twenty. Yeah, I I don't know. The fact that Gilmore has not shown up in camp is a little bit of a worry to me as a Patriots. yeah. And I don't know if it means they're going to play hardball and try to move him somewhere else. Uh, I know, like just having gilmore like I, there's no reason to have gilmore hold out like either have him come back and play mm-hmm. or get something for him
1: right. right because
0: they are deep at the position especially if they make this trade like gets get something rather than have him hold out but i mean i understand why he wants more money it's tough Look, the, the way it works is whoever becomes a free agent last gets the most money, and you, mm-hmm. you sign a contract, and then two years later, you've gone from the number one guy to the number eight guy, and now you're feeling underpaid.
1: So right. what happened with Xavier Howard. Right, right. Well, you know, the, the Rams probably have a first-round pick in 2029 or 2030. They could they could trade, so they could make a Jalen Ramsey-Gilmore uh, quarterback tandem. They could try to work that one out. Yeah. All
0: right, let's go back to talking about the loser league and talk about wide receivers because, uh,
2: Brian, what are your feelings about wide receivers in the loser league? What you're looking for in a wide receiver is a member of the Goose Egg Brigade. Every week (laughs) there's about five players who get your three or four targets and less than 10 yards and get that big, nice, shiny zero. That's your goal. And last year, the captain of the Goose Egg Brigade was A.J. Green, who had five games where he had at least three targets and less than 10 yards, no touchdowns, just – a bunch of useless screens and, and, and slants that didn't go anywhere. So for this year, you're looking at, well, you can look at anyone on a bad team. So any Houston Texans receiver is probably a a fairly solid uh, player. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to be losing a lot. They don't have exactly the world's most uh, fundamental passing attack to worry about right now. So any, so, you know, uh, Chris Conley, Nico Collins, any of those kind of guys are going to show up. I actually like the Patriots second and third receivers, not because they're bad, because they, they are going with the two tight end sets so much. So a lot of those targets are gonna head out to the tight ends. So you're gonna so rather than your third receiver is getting four or five targets, they might be down just at three or so a game, just slipping past the penalty. So you're not gonna get huge uh, numbers probably from uh, a Kendrick Bourne type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is where you get possession receivers. I will point out this is another place where
0: we've changed the loser league rules. Originally, it was two catches. And then eventually we changed it to three targets so that you could get the glorious goose egg when a guy got thrown to and never caught the ball mm. rather than the equally glorious two catches for 12 <laughs> yards and a fumble. Yes. Is, I mean, an awesome, awesome line. Uh, readers in the chat point out the Eagles as a team with a good number of loser league candidates. I think Jalen Rieger yeah. would be the candidate there because Devonte Smith is just too much of a deep threat. Right. right. And the lions Yes. which definitely
2: are loser league receiver candidates. There. I actually like Khalif Raymond a lot from the Lions. I mean, he's the deeper threat. But also we have a quarterback who doesn't really do all that great with the deep threats. I think there's a great mismatch there between quarterback skill and receiver skill. So Raymond's going to be running like, you know, just fly routes and Goth is going to be firing off target at them. That's what you want. You know, that's a very much more boom bust kind of pick because all you need to do is catch one of those deep routes and all of a sudden you've got six six or seven points. But that doesn't matter if the passes are 20 yards underthrown.
0: But I like the little <laughs> slot possession guys here. You mentioned Paris Campbell in your article Ooh, yeah. as somebody that would be good for this. I think um, J- Jacoby Myers, like you mentioned is really good for this. Uh, KJ I, hammer. Sorry. Who?
2: I've been, I've been to keep going. KJ KJ hammer.
0: Haller, yeah. I think whoever's the third receiver in Minnesota. Oh
1: God. Yeah. yeah.
0: Osborne. I think the kid's name is Osborne. Osborne. Right now it's Osborne, but it might yeah. be Westbrook. I have them both on the Loser League roster as people you can choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kadarius Tony. Yep. Nice. Nice. I, think, I I mean, assuming he gets the three targets a game. Yes. <laughs> you might want <watch laughs> to see how much they use him. Um, definitely Eagles receivers like Travis Fulgham.
1: Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Greg Ward.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: What about, what about if the slot guy winds up getting reverses or handoffs? Do they count? They, they count do. for points, but yeah. they don't count against a penalty. That's the thing. Okay. If you ever who's getting a lot of, those don't help
2: you with the penalty. So slot handoffs are really terrible. You don't want to run a Every is going to get a lot of handoffs because those are points that are still might get you with the penalty. Right. It's to... like running
0: back catches are bad because not only do you get the receiving yards, but we're not counting that for the penalty. So you could end up with a running back who has five carries and gets the penalty,
1: but also has like five catches. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you get 25 the points. And you know that wow. I'm almost tempted to look at some of those, the chiefs also ran receivers with the Marcus Robinson's and all, obviously you're worried about like, like a, a big explosive, uh, you know, one game for a year where they explode, but they have a lot of guys who are, you know, wind up you know, getting targeted like three times for two, uh, for two catches in Kansas City, while Tyreek and, and Travis Kelsey do all the work. Yeah, I mean, there was that one. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about like uh, Byron Pringle
2: and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that yeah one yeah, week yeah. week in week one where he caught like, like 200 yards and everyone thought, Byron Pringle, he's going to be like the next. Oh, no, he's not going to do anything else all year. <laughs> right. next, uh, uh,
0: trying to remember the name of the guy who played for uh, Dallas and Detroit who had one of those big weeks. Frisman Jackson from Cleveland is the one I always remember who had one of those <laughs> ridiculous Kevin Ogletree. That's the other guy. I'm oh thinking. my God. Yes. Had like a ridiculous week one. And then everybody went sh- screaming onto fantasy. Uh usually I reference him or Frisman Jackson as the guys who have the big week one. The original Rotisserie League Baseball book back in 1984. Paul Householder. Fantasy Baseball. What? Paul Householder. They talked about. I don't remember the name, but there was some closer oh. who had two saves in the first two games of the year, and then they drafted. <laughs> and he went for like thirty bucks. Yeah, and then they never had another save the rest of the year. And yeah. Frisman
1: Jackson is the equivalent of that in football. I remember that book, and they did jokes about how Paul Householder who was an outfielder for the Reds, had like two home runs. In the, in the first week, you know, and then his, his he, and then, but in, on August 15th, he hits his third home run and you're, and you're happy that you spent 40 rotisserie bucks on him.
0: I remember a year, and now we're in another sport, but I remember a year where Tuffy Rhodes for the Cubs had three homers oh, yeah. in the opening game. And then <laughs> I don't remember how many he had the rest of the year, but it was like two. Yeah. Right, right. Um,
2: loser league kickers. Oh God. Don't chase the doink. You, there is a you, – you, you're attempt to look. <laughs> oh, yeah, to fi- find, you know, f- find someone who's just – kicking performance is so variable week to week. Don't chase the doink. Just look for the t- offenses that are terrible. Look for the offenses that aren't going to move the ball. Look for, you know, look for the, your Texans or whatnot who are just going to be stuck in their own half of the field all the time. Don't yeah. chase the doink.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Even though you get minus five for a missed extra point, you want to just pick the kickers on the worst offenses, which brings us to – The trade we talked about because one of the great kickers that you you suggested was Joey Sly with the idea that the Panthers' offense wasn't going to score a lot of points this year. And now we don't
2: know if Joey Sly is going to be the Panthers' kicker. I mean, that's what Sly missed three or four field goals here in the preseason. And all of a sudden he doesn't necessarily have a job anymore.
1: (laughs) That's right. They just traded for the young man that has been doing very well in Giants camp. Uh, I don't have his name in front of me right now, but they also picked up a young man named Eberly early in the week it's a
0: lion uh, santoso that is the guy the panthers traded and it's one of those trades where it's a conditional draft pick if santoso doesn't make the you know they're trying him out for a week and a half if he doesn't make the team i'm sure they don't have to send the giants a draft pick.
1: right one thing last year again because uh they don't bother with things like situational uh offense uh in, in Matt Rule's camp uh, i believe sly was like 11 of 12 or 12 of 13 inside of 30 yards not inside of 40 yards Inside of thirty yards, so we're talking about kicks from the, you know, two yard line, the one yard line. I'm trying to pull the exact number up right now. Eleven of twelve from twenty to twenty nine yards for Joey Sly last year. So whoever gets that job, that is a little bit of a concern for loser league because he could wind up kicking a bunch of twenty eight yard field goals. But Sly also
2: was one for six from beyond fifty yard lines. They are totally fine kicking fifty plus yard field goals. So (laughs) missed field goals give you points. Doesn't matter if it's for fifty yards. Doesn't matter how how unreasonable it is to expect a kicker to make them. Panthers like kicking lots of large field goals.
1: Nice. All right.
0: So we wanted to also talk while we had Brian on the show about Brian's awesome uh, best team money can buy article, which started out as a tweet storm. And then I was like, you should really turn this into an article. And he did. Um, We, uh, it's a really interesting, especially because you held yourself to the idea that you could only
2: take one of every draft pick yeah these these are always kind of any kind of thing where you're assembling a dream roster like that it's it's essentially fanfic right you know you're just just creating you know like what 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 if my scouting team was perfect what if they always picked all the best players what if i knew all the picks to trade for so you have to give yourself some kind of restriction uh the the nfl did one uh, on their official website where they had patrick mahomes and uh, tj watt and uh, miles garrett look great but all those players were first-round picks in 2017. All of them would still be on their fifth-year uh, fifth deals. The only way you can get all those players together, they must have been tanking like terrible in 2016 to have <laughs> first-round draft picks. So my, my team, I limit myself to one draft pick from each round in each of the last four drafts, right. and then one player from the first round in 2017, plus one undrafted free agent from each of those things. You can't just sign everybody no one, no one thought was good. So it gives you 33 players on rookie contracts to fill out the bulk of your roster. And then 20 veterans you can place on top of that. So nice. that's, 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 your, that's the building blocks for building the roster. Now, most of
0: these teams have Aaron Donald. Why did you decide not to put Aaron Donald on your
2: team? On my tweet storm, I did because Aaron Donald's only making, I think it's $14.6 million this year. That's great. Next year, that goes up to 25 or $26 million. In the tweetstorm, I had a fantastic team. My, my, Your pass rush would have been Khalil Mack, JJ Watt, Aaron Donald, and Nick Bosa. That's your pass rush. Uh, Darren Waller is sitting on the bench. So far, it, it's, 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 a, it's an amazing team. And it fits under the $198 million salary cap. And then next year, it's $344 million in contracts. <laughs> and even if you were to cut every single player that would give that would save you money, so not Patrick Mahomes, he's got so much money in the future, but every single player that would give you a salary cap benefit, you would still have. To, you'd still be $70 million over the projected salary cap next year. <laughs> so I didn't put Donald because his contract number goes up so much next year. I wanted to create a team that was realistic, both in theoretically being able to be assembled and theoretically still existing in the future. <laughs> and so, so many players this year have money shunted into 2022, 2023, because right. the salary cap is so low this year, and all the teams knew that, so we'll pay you pennies today and give you the world next year. Right. right. And if you if you take all those players, you just have no chance of building a twenty twenty two team. So, so the number, of, the number of teams like
0: Tampa Bay, where it's like, well, we're putting everything on, like, let's win championships while Tom Brady is here, right. and in twenty twenty three, it's all going to explode, and that's fine.
1: Right. right. But you're but you put together so that you couldn't even explode. If you didn't do this, you would not be able to explode the team. Because even if you cut everybody, you're still over the calorie check, salary cap because of dead money. That was, yeah, that was the, right. the thread. So when I it to an article, I, said,
2: I should give this a little more time. And two sleepless nights later, I pieced together a roster that is not only incredibly <laughs> exceptional right now, but it's still actually under the salary cap for 2022. So they're in better shape than, say, the Packers are, who are <laughs> millions dollars over the cap next year. This team, this, I mean, this team is built to win now. But also in the future. So I have a couple of players on massive expiring contracts. We're going to go away when Patrick Holmes all of a sudden costs 35 million dollars next year.
1: Hmm.
2: It's interesting. A- I liked
0: some of the guys you took. I thought it was interesting to see which rookies you cho- chose. I, I'm I'm I have a soft spot in my heart for Shaka Tony. I don't know whether I just happened to watch three Penn State games last year or what, but, like, he's a seventh rounder I would really like to see succeed, and you made him your seventh round pick, and so I've got this soft spot.
2: Um, I'm surprised you didn't go cheaper at long snapper. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, the, the, Morgan Cox, the long snapper, is the first player picked for the All-Value team yeah. because he was the All-Pro last year. Uh, It cost less than a million dollars and I didn't want to spend more than 30 seconds thinking about my long snapper. (laughs) 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 Take the best one in the league, put them on the roster
1: and move on. (laughs) You have figured out return on investment when you are an NFL columnist. Your time is more valuable than a lot of millions of cap dollars elsewhere.
0: (laughs) You definitely have a lot of young players on this who, if you think about this team as one that exists past 2021, they're like, growth players like Trey Smith from Kansas City mm-hmm. is gonna start this year at Paris yes. and Michael unwennu and um, you know like Ronnie Perkins and Shaka Tony for your uh, for your um, deep death address pass yeah. rush and um, guys who are in like their second year like Legeria Sneed and Cameron curl I th- this team is this is a good
2: team it's the best team money can buy so of yeah, course it's a good That's team. the idea yeah you know but that's the thing when you when you the the if you if you if you just draft perfectly every single year you have a pretty solid roster to do a build around you <laughs> know that, that that's the idea like like my safeties i've got a uh, I've got uh, Jesse Bates and I have um, uh, Harrison Smith as my, as my starting sa- safeties right now. Both of those contracts expire after 2021. So I guess I'll have to settle for Antoine Winfield and Cameron Curl stepping up next year. I suppose <laughs> I can make that work. You know, I might have to cut Stefan Diggs because his contract goes from $6 million, which is a great value, up to $15 Well, I suppose DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin and Darius Slayton might be a decent receiving core to work with.
1: <laughs> that's what I love is that you created those restrictions for yourself and the restrictions created more interesting results. Exactly. And if you just said, Oh, here's, yeah, here's a fanfic dream team full of like, like all the best players in the, all the first, round,
0: first round picks who are still on their rookie contracts.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's, it's yeah. very boring in that, in that respect, but you created something interesting. It has like layers to it. The, 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 the first decision is right. Do you take Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league who only cost
2: $7 million this year. So he's also the best value for this season. Because that takes you away from Miles Garrett or T.J. Watt. Because you, you, you could go a quarterback. You could pick Tom Brady, who I think you had as your best veteran value in the league. Right. You could right. take Lamar Jackson, who's an MVP, who's who's still on his rookie deal. So you have the choice. Because you only get like, is Patrick Holmes that much better that he's worth taking and blocking stuff out from all these other players, mm. or do you take, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, which stops you from getting uh, Jerry Alexander, which it's right. all these moving pieces around that you have to try to kind of work into one shape here.
0: Mm -hmm. really neat the uh the other thing i wanted to talk about and a reminder to everybody that you are watching slash listening to the football outsiders radio hour on twitch every thursday at 1 p.m eastern uh i wanted to preview week three of the preseason and we talked about this on an earlier episode and then we were talking about this before we went on the air that we have no idea if this is the dress rehearsal or not Like the old system where the third week was the dress rehearsal and the fourth week was play nobody except who you're cutting is gone. And so now there's like, some teams are going to play starters. Other teams are not going to play starters. Some teams haven't played starters the whole preseason. So that doesn't change, but I don't know how everybody's going to use this. So it's hard to know which of these games is going to be more interesting to watch because you don't quite know who's playing in each of them.
1: Here's what we know so far. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are expected to play a half. Uh, Bruce Arians has said that. He's talked about how he thinks they need the game speed, et cetera, et cetera. We know some coaches are on record saying that they are not going to play their starters in the preseason. Basically, Sean McVay and the Sean McVay lights like Brandon Staley in Las Vegas. We have already seen other teams in week two do dress rehearsal-like things. Clearly, The Steelers were doing that with Ben Roethlisberger running around. Now Dwayne Haskins gets to start in the third preseason game. We saw Patrick Mahomes last week. And we saw the Dolphins, who again who are a younger teams, so it's a little bit different to say, oh, we played two of for a quarter, then we played two of for a half, and now two is not going to play. So it, it is this crazy quilt. I, I know that some teams like the Giants were finally going to see Daniel Jones and me, I personally can't wait. Um, the the Buccaneers are the most extreme example of the team that this week is saying this is still like the dress rehearsal, and we don't care if it's Tom Brady and a bunch of guys over thirty, they're playing.
0: You were right when you said in a previous week, like Brady likes to play in the preseason. Oh,
1: he does. He does. And I love pulling up. I got another walkthrough stat that I'm going to pull. Like all the – because because NFL Jesus has all the preseason stats. All the years we played in the first preseason game. I got one year where he attempted 35 passes in the preseason, and I combined uh, – it was after uh, uh, Peyton retired, but I combined Aaron Rodgers and like Eli and like Drew Brees, and they combined for like 13 passes. So he likes doing that. So I worry – like when I see, oh, Justin Herbert, he don't he don't need to play in a preseason. What has he got left to prove? It sets off all these alarms because Mitch Trubisky had nothing to prove in the 2019 preseason because he was so awesome. Well, if Tom Brady values it, I'm not saying that everybody has to value it, but the idea that like second year pros and like guys on the bubble don't need this, it seems very odd that the greatest of all time in his 40s thinks this is a valuable valuable exercise.
0: I mean, I think if the issue is the value of that, Playing time at game speed versus the injury, right? I think for Sean McVeigh, it's I'm not getting anybody hurt. And for Brandon Staley, it's well, Sean McVeigh didn't get anybody hurt. So I'm <laughs> going to do what Sean did. Right. Uh, and that's okay, why so, Justin Herbert is not playing.
1: And for Matt Nagy, it was I don't have an original idea in my pointed little head. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. And I think uh, I would put Joe Judge in that category where it's like, uh, and some of these teams, I honestly Maggie, think Nagy
0: is playing starters. In fact, it- Yes, this year, Did I read correctly, like Fields is going to play with the ones in the third preseason game.
1: Yes, he what everybody's went,
0: been waiting for.
1: He went from pretending that uh, that like Mitch Trubisky had nothing to prove back in 2019 and that he was Sean McVay Jr to spending this entire preseason proving that Andy Dalton was the starter proving that Andy Dalton shouldn't be the starter and now even using the starters even more. So that, that's why I, that, I made that little crack a moment ago. It doesn't seem, he's just reacting. He's, he's not like coming up with like a great integrated plan. He's like, let me do this this time and let me do that that, that time. And you're seeing the results in Chicago uh, Bears fans. Yeah,
0: I'm looking at the schedule and like what games are on TV, the, um, the national TV game. The first night it's Vikings Chiefs, but I have a feeling since Patrick Mahomes played in the last one, we're not
1: seeing Patrick Mahomes in this one. Uh, That's that one's not going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, we're going to see a lot, but probably see some Kellen Mond if you're into that sort of thing. But uh, you're not going to see Thielen. He played a little, got binged up. Jefferson's on his way back from injury. You're not going to see Dalvin Cook. Nobody's going to start a running back uh, who's established. So, yeah, you're not going to see much there.
0: And then Saturday, the one o'clock national is the Packers and the Bills. And I watched a little bit of the Packers and the Jets, and the Packers were down to their third quarterback, and it was all back. It was they were playing all backups.
1: Yeah, And that that was in
0: the second preseason game That they were playing all backups So I doubt you're going to see any important Packers in this game Including apparently Jordan Love
1: Right I'm not even sure you'll see Singletary and Moss out there Because I think they've decided Yeah, it's a rotation, they're fine And they're going to look at the other kids
0: Um, Seven o'clock Bears and Titans So there you go So if Justin Fields is going to play with the ones That's something everybody wants to see We're all talking about, should Fields start the season? Does Nagy think Fields should start the season? Is Nagy going to stick with Dalton? I will say, we've talked about this a little bit, I think, but I'm not a big fan of the don't start Fields against the Rams because Aaron Donald will give him the creeps idea. Mm -hmm. My feeling is if you feel that Fields is the guy, you start him from week one. The fact that the schedule gets easier in week two or three, you don't wait and start a guy in week two. Like, right. If he's the starter, make him the starter. Right. Just right. deal with the fact that the first game is against the Rams.
1: It's such a defeatist attitude. Well, you know we're not good enough <laughs> to protect you from this guy, but we'll be fine the next week. It's the whole thing about it is so defeatist. I'm not saying that NFL types don't think that way or that they don't rationalize around the fact that they're thinking that way. It's just like, you know, when, when the rubber meets the road. What a defeatist way of approaching things to, to look at it that way. But yeah, you're right. We'll get to see Fields and the ones. I'm sure the takes on Twitter will be. You know, and I personally can't wait to, to read another uh, uh, pepper alley for Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I love the players. I don't necessarily need to spend a three-hour pep rally. I, I love
0: Justin Fields. I, I, I wanted the Patriots to trade up and take Justin Fields. But I will say that, like, the feeling on Twitter that he is a guaranteed star uh, yeah. seems a little extreme, like – uh I think that uh, analytics twitter is so busy dunking on teams that did not draft Justin Fields that they forget that just like every other quarterback we don't
2: know. Yeah, the, the, the thing is not it's not that Justin Fields is a guarantee it's just that how how do you settle for Teddy Bridgewater when you have a when you have the chance for Justin Fields at that <laughs> but analytic but some people on twitter have gone with well if there's a chance he's good well, 100% a chance. That that's certainly right. yeah, that's a number you can use. So definitely is going to be good. Stick him in there. Everybody should have him. Yeah.
1: There's a little bit of cheerleading being disguised as analytics across Twitter right now, and it's it's good for engagement, exciting, but it but it's not good. And yeah, you want to see a true read of what some of these guys will look like. We see Trevor Lawrence out there with the ones. Yeah. In what looks like a bad system, and I think Matt Nagy looks like a bad system. Okay, Kyle has a great system. You will see a guy that's going to look like a rookie in struggle. We we are instead. Oh, look at what he did in the third quarter there with that touchdown or just before halftime. Yes, we have evidence that he will be a very, very good quarterback. We knew that they're talented young men who are growing and developing. This cheerleading is like QB1, do it now, et cetera. It's getting it's getting a little problem. Getting a well, little you, you, you can understand Bears fans being impatient, seeing have, haven't
2: had a good quarterback since yeah. Sid Luckman back there. But yeah. I'm
1: yeah. <laughs> not talking about Bears fan. The Bears fan wants to go go hog. That's fine. We're talking about people who are in our industry who are supposed to be like. Yeah, we're the measured voice of how the NFL is going to go. And it's like, rah, rah, is this bop for these kids? Get them out there now. Flush Jimmy Garoppolo down the toilet. It's like, sure, that's fine. You're asking for a September of growing pain games and possibly in October and November of growing pain games that look like the games we saw from guys like Sam Darnold and others in the past.
0: If Nagy is fired this season, asks Bill Houston, does Pace go with him?
1: Yes. Or is
0: Fields Pace's survivor ticket?
1: No, I, I think
2: they're both gone if, if they're gone. I, 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 I understand the argument, but I, I, I think they're too joined at the hip at this point for to get rid of one and not the other. I think if it's a survivor ticket, it's a survivor ticket for them both.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he, that's the correct question. That is this a survivor ticket situation? Well, I'm the one who did this, and he's the one who did that, and they both sort of grab each other and fall off the cliff together, that sort of thing. I believe they are tied at the hip, but that is exactly the play that will get pulled if things get weird. It's like, well, you know, I'm the only one who can take the guy I picked, and like get them to the next level with the help of my next, you know, choice at coach.
0: Sunday's preseason games that are nationally televised one o'clock Jaguars and Cowboys.
2: Well, Trevor Lawrence has finally convinced everyone that he's a number one. He's the,
1: he's the starter in week one. That was a tough quarterback battle. <laughs> <sighs> and we've got the Cooper rush show because Cooper rush is, is winning the number two job, but that's, it's a tough game to watch at this point because I've, I've now seen Trevor Lawrence stumble around in a bad system. I, I guess I now need to see it in game form. And, of course, ETN is now gone, so there's not even that looky-loo element, which is unfortunate. Which, which is why people are resting their starters in preseason because you don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah.
0: What's four, next? Four o'clock Raiders at
2: 49ers. So and that is our class. Class. that's probably yeah. interesting. And I believe, Kittle, I believe George Kittle and Trent Williams are going to come out there, too. So we're actually uh, we're going to have all the starters come out, at least for a couple series. OK, yeah. so that's pretty good. Yeah, so watch that for 15 minutes and then flip over to, I guess, Miami and Cincinnati's the CBS game. That mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. I didn't see that that's nationally televised
0: yeah. too. all the games on Sunday are nationally televised just to get us used to football the way it's supposed to be. There yes. are games going up against each other. You're right. Miami and Cincinnati is on CBS. It blows my mind that preseason games are on national networks, like not NFL, right. network, like like broadcast networks. And by the way, they get the ratings to make it worth doing that,
1: which of is course. Bro- surprising. Broadcast yeah. networks are showing game shows like five nights a week now, for heaven's sake. So, yeah, they're going to show preseason football. They're going to show, can, can your family jump through the the, the wall mm-hmm. uh, game shows? I don't know who plays in Miami at Cincinnati, though. No, I mean, Barrow is playing. Burrow is playing. Yes, I don't know how much, but Barrow is playing. Uh, I'm pretty sure Flores announced today he's resting everybody. Tua has played a lot. The starters have played a great deal. Yeah. He's using this as the fourth preseason game. Barrow has had the yips throughout camp. He's been trying to overcome, uh, like, like, what he has admitted to as a case of the nerves, and it'll be interesting to see that.
0: And I guess Jamar Chase, the same thing, right? Jamar Chase with the drop. They want him to yeah. overcome that
1: yep yep exactly
0: six o'clock and i guess what they'll do is they'll go away from raiders 49ers after two hours and switch patriots at giants
1: yeah jones
0: i guess mac jones is interesting to watch daniel jones i mean my feeling about daniel jones is there's a possibility he takes a leap but the most likely thing is we know who he is so
1: yes not interested in the giants at all um did are Lance and Mac Jones playing simultaneously? or, or it... There's a two-hour offset. It's a two-hour
0: offset, okay. two so my guess is that Lance will be done by the time Mac Jones comes
1: in. Oh, cool, it'll cause like a storm front, like a hurricane, Category <laughs> 3 hurricane blowing through my Twitter timeline as the Lance and Jones uh, take sort of smash into each other with high-pressure and low-pressure systems. It'll be exciting. And then 8 o'clock on
0: NBC, Browns at Falcons. Good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> how did that end up on, like, when they made up the schedule, why did that game end up as the national NBC? What backup Falcons and Browns did they think people wanted to see when they made the preseason schedule? What? Falcons? How, Falcons? how did, like, see? Raiders 49ers not become the, pre, the, the national game like right. NBC?
1: It's not even the thing where in the past, because in the past they would, like, market it, like, Oh, it's Packers against Seahawks, and they show a picture of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Like everyone knows that that's not how it's going to be, but like your casual fan might not realize it. This, I mean, I, obviously the Browns are somewhat interesting. What what says? Oh, Falcons! We got to get the Falcons in prime time because there's so much so much buzz around about Matt Ryan that people need to see this. I Kyle Pitts is money. What can I say? Kyle Pitts,
2: Kyle Pitts uh, is <laughs> <he's laughs> the
1: money. He's buffo box office. Yeah, I don't
0: know how much has Kyle Pitts played in the preseason. I haven't really seen. A snaps. I
1: yeah, Not much. <laughs> Any couple snaps at all? They've been resting, not just um, Ridley, who was hurt, of course, but they've been resting uh, Gage and the number three wide receiver, Zachariah, Jeremiah. Oh, let me uh, uh, Lamita, Isaiah. Zicar- Oh, let me Zacharias. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so Zacharias. Like um, so, like, because like, again, those guys, they don't need to compete for a starting job. You, you, you can't beat Zacharias. Let, let him rest the entire preseason. I, but Pitts did play a little bit. I don't think Hurst is Hurst healthy. I even watched. It's the Falcons. No one cares. Let's move on.
0: Falcons! all right well that's week three of the preseason next week when we do this show we won't have any games to preview because there is no more fourth week there's just a weekend. there's just an empty labor day weekend um thank you brian and mike for being on the show today thank you for everybody who watched on twitch thank you to everybody who's listening to us on podcasts don't forget to rate us on podcast apps so more people will find the show It's the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Don't forget to listen on Tuesday at one o'clock on Twitch to Scott Spratt's fantasy show. And we will be back next Thursday with more of the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Everybody have a good week.